This is From Dar Square to Where, the Arsenal Twitter podcast, brought to you by Andrew, the Hinkley Gooner. One word of warning, it is highly unlikely to be suitable for young children. Our show, You Can Be The Star, is the most interactive Arsenal YouTube show. So far, we've had some great guests on the show, including Arsenal legends Kevin Campbell and Nigel Winterburn. The show can be seen on the From Dar Square to Where YouTube channel every Wednesday evening at 7pm UK time. The audio podcasts are available on all major platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel and click the notification button. Like the videos and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This will really help us get found. Also, please tell your friends about From Dar Square to Where. You can contact the show on Twitter, which is at From Dar Square, or at Crack of Dawn. Also on email, which is from darsquaretoware at gmail.com. Thanks for your support. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where, the Arsenal Twitter podcast. Today is really, un- look, that is really unusual. I'm actually smiling because we can talk about a win. You know, I feel like it's uh, been so long since I've actually been able to do that. It, my muscles are all gone a bit weak around my, my cheeks. So, um, very nice feeling after Monday. So, tonight's guest, I've got another one on the way. Uh, he's running a bit late. Um, but today we've got the brilliant Melvin Marks. How are you doing, Melvin? Good, good evening. Good evening. evening. Good evening, Melvin. And Stan the Man. How are you, Stan? All the way from Canada, the groover from Vancouver. Good, mate. As you say, we've got a win on we've got a win in the bag, you know. So um yeah. Very unusual, isn't it? So we've got to have some decent stuff, things to talk about tonight, finally. Um now off air, we were just talking, uh, just briefly. And I said about um, the fact that I've been off, not been off Twitter, I've still been, you know, reasonably active, but I haven't commented at all really about the the match on Monday uh, against West Ham on purpose because I still couldn't quite believe the amount of people that were just being incredibly negative about it and um, saying that we still played shit, we only had a good spell of 15 minutes and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I was just absolutely over the moon and just decided myself to really, really concentrate on the positives that came out of that match. And I think there was quite a lot of positives that came out of the match um, uh, myself. So I, I just refused to be drawn into any negativity about it myself. So, I mean, first and foremost, guys, I mean, uh, I, let's start with you, Stan. I mean, what were your overwhelming thoughts. I mean, obviously a lot of relief, I'm sure, on, on Monday, but yeah, well, what were your thoughts on the match? 
Well, you're looking, um, you're looking for positive thoughts. So um, I best not mention the first sixty minutes of that match. Yeah. Um, Although I've got, a, I've got, I've got positives to come out of that myself personally, but I can talk to talk to you about that. I thought, I thought, um, I, I like the lineup. I'm glad that he's sticking with. Um, I'm glad that Freddie's sticking with the same formation. So you've seen the team go out now and stick to a formation which I think is good all round. I thought the the lineup was more adventurous. We were finally going to get to see um, the two main fullbacks starting together, and then. Um, just before I turned up at the pub, Hector uh, apparently broke down in training, so they had to make a change there. Um, all right, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Evening. Hello, like never, Ryan. <laughs> you know, you, go, went, went, you know, sticking to uh, sticking to your what's, what's it called? Your model being a little bit late. Oh, of course. <laughs> you can't change a habit of a lifetime. Anyway, sorry. Carry on, Stan. Um, and then um, it. He, he, he took Luis out of the firing line as well, which I thought was good. But he still left in um, Socrates and he still left in Xhaka, which for me are two for me are still two weak links in our in our setup. But so glad to see Gabriel Martinelli starting in the Premier League as well. So overall, I thought it was a much more improved lineup. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think the only thing I would have changed is Socrates. However. In saying that, yeah, I probably would. I probably would have had Louise instead of Socrates for this match. However, I still really, really want to see Chambers and Holding when he's when Holding's actually fit, and just let them just stay there, just have a proper, you know, a pairing in the, at the back, so they can build up a relationship. Anyway, what about yourself, Mark? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry about that. That's all right. Hello. Yes, can I phone you back? Sorry, can I phone you back? Bye. Just shows right. So what I thought was a change was we got very fast forwards and for for once we were actually moving the ball quicker towards them. You'd have the fastest forwards in the in the world, but if it takes you two hours to give them the ball, they're not going anywhere. And that for that yeah. 15 minute uh, period, we we're actually getting it, moving it quickly forward. And that makes all the difference. I hope they learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, what's your thoughts overall on the match as well, Melvin, in regards to how we played overall uh, because the team, the the lineup, the... I thought the team, the lineup was very good. I was very not too, I don't want to be too negative, obviously, but just what aggravated me: the first five minutes, we had ninety five percent possession, it seemed, and we didn't get in there half. Mm. And you know, when you start off like that, it's very difficult to suddenly get into second gear. We managed it second half, so that was fantastic. Because normally, if we start slowly, we'd never get any faster. So that was a very big uh, positive, I felt. That, that is my positive that what you've just touched on there that I, was, I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago although we were so it was it was a boring really really boring first half but it wasn't the same it was an absolutely shambolic first half like we were having under Emery uh, because we were keeping possession a lot more I mean we were dominating possession and what I found positive out of that was we weren't getting all the shots against like we were in all the other matches. Yeah. We weren't conceding shot after shot after shot and they weren't finding their way through us the same way the other teams were earlier in the season. So that's what I took out of it. And I heard, um, I can't remember which podcast it was that I was listening to earlier on today. Oh. I listened to them all day, but it, um, one of them said, was one about um, the fact that we were... We, we played in a way that Freddie um, set us up and we were playing in a way hello, that hello, hello. 
was quite like... Oh, have I frozen again? No. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, yeah, we were playing like uh, a way that Wenger liked to play, Wenger ball. In it, but obviously nowhere near as good. Uh, we, need, we need a lot of work. But we were playing a lot of possession, wearing the other opposition team out. That was the, this is the theory, anyway, that this guy was, was talking about. We were playing a possession game, trying to, we are wearing the other team out, Time uh, over time, and then as soon as we found an opening, we we're trying to exploit that opening. And we, we weren't doing it brilliantly in the first half, but we were keeping possession a lot better and we were reducing and defending a lot better as a team because the stats bear that out with the shots against, etc., that we were dreadful at earlier on in the season. So, uh, yeah, so first half, that's that's what I generally thought. What about you, Brian? Yeah, the, f- the first half, why we uh, line up was fine. It's just as you said, we had all the ball, but we we're doing nothing with it. There was no, there was no threat. We weren't testing their goalkeeper until obviously Martinez scored his goal, and it was up till then I was very, very concerned. But it was like what frustrated me more that night is it took up to that equaliser. We weren't getting nowhere, and then as soon as we scored that equaliser for that ten-minute spell, it's something that's clicked, and we were like. The Arsenal of years ago, under Wenger, as you said, under Wenger, where we had the impetus to put, put our foot on the throat of the, the, the opposition and go for the kill. Yeah. And my concern would be, if, and against any, if it was against any other opposition that night, I don't see us getting a result. It was just, in fact, we were playing, we were going up against a, a worse, worse uh, team in the, in the league at the moment. And that, but it, it happened, and it does seem to. Have, we needed. I did say this on my on my channel on the night. We needed that win. That and you could see by the players how much they needed it, and how much it meant to Freddie as well. And the players, they all went over to the fans, applauded the fans, and not, not one of them walked off. No. So, you, so <laughs> as long as we take our chances from that, I'll use this as a stepping a springboard now. Come up and then going on to next tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night with a must win and take it on to Sunday. If we start improving now, then I can't complain. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much the same. Do you know, and I think that what is uh, on top of what I said earlier about the, being the positive side of the first half was although that we had all the possession and we weren't penetrating and, and creating a lot of chances, I think that goes down an awful lot to. The lack of confidence again because you saw what that difference that made in the second half as soon as we got that goal. And do you know what? I mean, we'll talk about the individual players a bit later, but Martinelli and the way he took that goal, I think almost the best part about it for me was the, the way that he just scored the goal. And instead of which you of every team. right to just go and bask in that and run and slide and, and do whatever he wanted to do, but he just went and run, picked the ball up, and picked just shows everything about his his character. And he picked the ball up, ran back to the centre circle, and we got on with it again. And it just set the tempo from there on in. And we were a different team, as everyone you know, you, as you can see. And I think if we go into uh, matches coming up in the same way that we did in the first half, but add all that confidence that we gained from the second half, then we will see a different outcome, I think. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what I did like about his goal as well. What composure he showed. Oh, amazing. I mean, I mean, any, I mean, some some or other forwards can just try and smash it in. It's a defender. He goes everywhere. He knew what he was doing. He has. To, he's got time on the ball, which shows you what a class player he is. Mm. He knew what he was, as the ball came to him, he knew exactly where what he was going to do and where he was going to put it. Yeah. And uh, the goalie had no chance. Better than smash no. it. And I thought that was brilliant of him. Absolutely brilliant. It oh, was. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. And as I said all season, all the goals he has scored this season have been of the ilk of a fully established footballer, not someone who's 18 going in his class. No, I know. He's, he's headering as well. <laughs> fantastic <laughs> header of the ball. I was paying quite close attention to Gabriel Martinelli during that game because I, I really like him. And for that, for the for, for most of that first half, we did have a lot of the possession, but I don't see the point in keeping the ball, moving the ball gradually up the pitch, and then just as you get outside the opposition, um, just up to all their box, kick it backwards. And oh, I did me on that. I can't stand that. And, and I, I hate that. I don't understand I'm why I'm moving you. the ball up the pitch only then to take yards off. Mm. And I, I was watching Martinelli quite closely, and I saw one move where we broke up the left-hand side. He he uh, had the ball. The ball was given to Martinelli. Tierney made an overlapping run and called for the ball. And then Martinelli, which was very uncharacteristic for him, he kicked the ball backwards. And uh, we sat there in the pub and we thought we looked at each other. And we like, is this? Is this what happens then when you come to Arsenal? Like you start to pick up, you know, these kind of these, these bad habits. And then it was about five minutes after that that he scored the goal. And there was like a, for me, there was like a sigh of relief. Like you know, he still wants to get forward. But as Ryan said, if we'd had a better team up against us, we might not have made it to our glory for that last twenty minutes because we might have had the stuffing kicked out of us by a better team. So whatever happened. In that last 20, 25 minutes or so, from 60 minutes on, half an hour, whatever it is, Freddie really needs to take a look at that. And that's how the team, they need to take something away from that game. And I really hope all of that hugging and that relief that they showed, I hope that the penny is dropped and that they've gone into training and they've taken that with them and they've looked at how they performed and thought, OK, and they're big enough to hold their hands up and say, we were pretty shit for the first 60 minutes, but we pulled it out of the bag. And if you want to continue, to get to where we should be, we have to continue with that last half of our performance. You know what it's like, man? It's like someone took some chains off their shoulders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. released them. It, it was like yeah. chalk and cheese. And don't don't let them put those chains back. Play with, you know, don't worry, but just get on with it, play without fear. And that's what we have to do. Because we can't defend, not with this team. So we've actually got to take the ball in the upper half sometimes in, in, with speed. And I think that's how we we do all right. I really do. We're not going to be brilliant, but we've got to build on that. Yeah. And I really I, think that's what I've said it so often that, and I, I want, you know, that we have to attack because that's our strength. We have to play to that yeah. strength. And if you can hit a team with a couple of sucker punches very quickly, in the say in the first half, we go a couple of goals up, but have the right mentality. Because I know we've won a couple of goals up. Um, you know, in previous matches, and we just threw it away. If we can keep this mentality up, which is the big thing, if we hit, can hit a couple of um, a team with a couple of quick goals, then their heads drop, and that's a massive part of the you know our defence by <laughs> knocking the stuffing out of a team. Well, not only that, and sorry, sorry, sorry not only ahead. that. If when if we break quick, which we can do, and score goals, the other team ain't going to attack us too much either. Well, no, so exactly. 
Like, exactly. So it's a double win. It's a double, double win. That's right. We we get them intimidated. We make their heads drop, and they suddenly get a bit scared. Yeah. And that's what that's what other teams have been doing to us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, exactly what we've got to do, and we've seen so many times this season, um, unbelievably, that teams are doing that to Man City with pace. Like look what Man United did to them the other week, and we've got that's one thing we've got is pace in abundance. And uh, we can't exploit them, but we need to go toe-to-toe with them. And um, it, it's quite easy to think that it's a shame that our confidence has just turned as all of our supposed easier games have finished. Because now we've got the hard games coming up. But who's to say that we can't... We, we, we've got a chance against Chelsea, I think, definitely. They're, they're going for a bit of a dodgy spell. And so are Man City. So maybe it could be the right time to be facing these teams now. We've turned things around a little bit. You say that, and I agree. But I think also we, we're the underdogs now in this game. And that might suit us as well. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. That's the thing with, with Arsenal. Even near the end of Wenger's time, remember the, the 2017 Cup final, we had no expectation to get get that win. No one expected us. We were really no. It's with our, with us. It's when the pressure's not on, we thrive. Our players thrive, exactly. and that and the, they play with absolute freedom, and we get results when we least expect it. Mm. And as you said, Man City are in a bad state at the, state at the moment defensively. I think Sunday is literally going to be a bit of a bygone of Wenger. We score, you score, sort of attacks from both teams, and it's going to be whoever scores the most is going to come out. Obviously, come out with the win. I, yeah, I think it could be a fantastic game for us three, Man City. I really do. And well, they're winning, they're winning right now, three-one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm really um, interested to see what kind of team's going to play tomorrow because people have been saying that um, we should just send the full, you know, under 23s team. Which I told, I think I, I said at the beginning of the season that I really wanted the under-23s to be named as our Europa League team Um, and Steve Bold to go and do all the matches because firstly, at least for the first stage because I can't, I just don't want to, I'm not interested at all until we get to the quarters, semis in that that competition and if we went out of it, I really wouldn't have cared at the beginning of the season because if we'd have been able to concentrate purely on the league and keep all the every time Thursday comes around, if the manager and all the first team players could stop behind and do some extra training for the next for the match on Sunday, then I would have been really happy with that. However, at the beginning of the season, we obviously named the Europa League squad, and there wasn't that many under 23s in it. There was quite a strong squad that was named. So I think we're limited on who we can name tomorrow. And We've only got one left back now, and well, suppose it's not really a left back either, is he? He's more of a wing back, and he's been playing really well, to be fair to him lately. You know, credit where credit's due. Yeah, no, I'm not a lover of him, but I thought he actually the last couple of games he's done quite very well, and he's got yeah. forward as well. He, I mean, what I hated about him the last half a dozen games, perhaps even more, he'd get the ball, and his first thought in his mind is back, 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 because he's only got one foot, and he has to come if they choose for it. If they don't let him on go on the outside, he's got to come inside. That way, mm. he ain't got a right foot, he's got to give it back. And mm. he was doing it before even being shown the inside. That's yeah. so disappointing. But on the other night, and the game before that, he was getting it, he was actually trying to go forward. First yeah. Ball. Brilliant. 
Yeah, he still he still just doesn't look when he crosses the ball most of the time, which annoys the hell out of me. But he did yesterday, and look what happened with that Martinelli goal. You know, yeah. it, it, again, I think these things can actually still be coached if we get the right person involved. Um, you know, it, just say, oh, it, just just when when they're training, he tries to do something like that and bash a ball into the box without looking. You know, you need to coach and say, oh, stop it there. You know, let's just rewind a second. What should you have done there? You know, and use that kind of thing with him because he's got a lot of good attributes and he's just so frustrating. He manages it similar with a lot of our players, unfortunately. But well, what I don't understand with, with the squad, we look at, we go, you know, we watch him every week or whatever, and we say, like, you know what he's going to do, what his faults are, you know what the centre half's faults are. You can go through every player and go, this one's not actually, every time he does that, it's wrong. Why is it now we suddenly say, oh, well, they've got to be coached? That should have been done years ago with each player. Of course. Yeah, I know. And we've wasted 18 months, unfortunately, by getting the wrong guy in. Um, And this is the... I mean, I've said in a couple of podcasts that I've done over the last two or three weeks, I've been really concerned about the youngsters like Gunduzi because they've just got into so much bad habits that are going to be really hard to get out of. And if, if it had gone on much longer uh, under Emery, then it could have got to a stage where, because this is a really, really critical part of these uh, players' careers, when they're just soaking up all this information and learning how to be a professional footballer. And when you get on so many, you know, it's any walk of life. If you take on a load of bad habits, it's really hard to shake off. And Gunduzi um, at the moment, I, I mean, this is a good thing about Freddie. He's, he's benched him for the last couple of games because... He shouldn't have been playing so many games as he has. 100%. I love the kid. Absolutely. And I'll never knock him. And he's got so much quality. But he just literally just been running around wherever he wants on the pitch. under no guidance and no coaching. He's been doing what the hell he wants. And the same could be said of a few of the players. And um, he's not doing himself any favours at the moment, Granduzzi. Because he, he thinks he's got to put out every fire on all parts of the pitch. And um, You break it up. Am I? I can hear. Okay. Oh, good. Well, yeah, and the same, the same could be said with all of our youngsters, um, Saka included, Willock. And if we need if, if someone could give them the right coaching, then the the sky's the limit for these guys. And so I've been really worried about their progress. I think Gwendouzi's kind of having a bit of discipline given to him because um, I don't know. I think it was a couple of games back when. Um, he got hooked off by Freddie and then there was a little bit of confusion about who was supposed to come off. And I don't know if you saw the expression on Gwen Doozy's face when he realised it was him that was coming off. It was almost like, but I'm a senior player. What do you mean I've got to come off? It really come across like that. And Freddie just gesticulated with his arms furiously from the sideline to get off. And I was on a pod the day after that, and, and I think it was uh, I think it was with Ray. And I said, we ain't going to see Gwen Doozy in the starting lineup for a while now. Because of that, if Freddie's got his head screwed on, we won't see him start. And sure enough, we've not seen him start in two games now. And I like that. I think Emery should have been a little bit like that with Gwen Doozy a little bit earlier on in, in his career when he's gone in for some crazy tackles and almost cost us and then been allowed to stay on the pitch and not learn from any mistakes. So I'm kind of glad that um, Gwen Doozy is having a little bit of tough love. I think it's, it's brilliant. I really, really like that about Freddie. He's not. He's made a few good decisions as far as that's concerned in the last couple of games. I mean, his decisions with um, Pepe were quite controversial, weren't they? 
You know, a lot of people are going, well, how come he's not picking Pepe? And then he came out and said that, you know, the lad's not doing what he wants him to do in training and that he's going to speak to him more about it. And a lot of people were pissed off about that. But, you know, he is the guy that's managing the team. If he's on the training pitch and there are certain players, even if they cost £72 million and they're not giving their all, then you don't get into the team on match day. That's the way it's always been. Mm. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, I'm a bit surprised by a couple of, by, you know, some of his decisions. I mean, bringing Mustafi in for that one game and then immediately dropping him out of the squad altogether was a bit odd. Uh, I know why he did it because he, he wants because Mustafi's a much better passer of the ball than Socrates. Um and he's got a bit more pace. But I don't, it's just ditched him. And I think the only thing he did wrong in that game really was just he, he um, with the goal that they it's Southampton wasn't it? Was it Southampton game that Mustafi played? I think it was. Uh, yeah. yeah. And he, he obviously didn't put in the proper challenge and it ricocheted off him into the goal and yeah a bit of bad luck and a bit of bad positioning but that was the only thing I think he did wrong in that game but I can't think of anything else he did wrong in that game um, but he yeah, just to be bombed completely out of the squad again without even being on the bench is a bit odd but but there you go But I disagree with that actually I think that Mustafi had a lot of these little what you know Mustafi can have in a 90-minute game, he can have sort of like 87 really good minutes mm. in that game. But there will be a period where he will make that one mistake. And it always seems to be that he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, there was that one uh, a few games back where he came running in, I think it was in the Europa League, and, the ball, and he was trying to do a sliding tackle to clear the ball. And it hit his leg and it hit the post. And it almost went in the net. And, you know, it was that collective, oh, no, not Mustafi again. And I think Freddie's done the right thing. He's coming to the club. He's trying to give everybody, I suppose, a clean, a clean bill of health. You know, he's a fresh, a fresh start under a new manager, and he's given Mustafi a go. And he's making those little errors that could have cost the game. And he's and he's dropped him. And I think that's fair enough. Yeah, but I'll, I'll take more harsh if he didn't bring him back into the fold and just left and throw and just left him frozen out. Well, I'll take your Mustafi though, and I raise you with Socrates because. <laughs> <laughs> he makes far more mistakes than Mustafi does. Fold, I fold. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> he still get, he still plays most matches, and he's. You say that out of every ninety minutes, Mustafi's good for eighty-seven, and I totally, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Maybe say eighty-five, but Mustafi, I mean, sorry, Socrates, you can take that back down to eighty because I think that I'd love to see the stats, but I bet you that he makes so many more mistakes than Mustafi has been vilified for. I'm not, I, I don't I don't want to sound like I want Mustafi in the team, right? Uh, I, I just think that it was... Um, I don't want Mustafi anywhere near the team, but I especially also don't want Socrates anywhere near the team, personally. I've never rated the guy. And people get swayed by his fist pumping and his, you know, crocodile tears on, like yesterday and, you know, slapping the floor and his scowling face and... He, people just think he's he's fantastic for that last season, and I think they're just if they're blinded by it by his sort of passion. But he he makes so many poor choices and poor mistakes, and he gets away with it virtually scot free. I, you I think, you so know what I don't like about it? I mean, defender should defend. Or I'll give you that, and he's not very good. Neither of them are. But what upsets me with the two of them as well, they slow the play down. 
Mm. They get the ball and they want to be like the greatest ball playing person in the world and give it the game give it back. They would they give it to the left back, to the right back. And the other team are going, well, when you're ready, let us know. That's not the way football should be played, especially from the from the centre halves. And when we have to get a goal, like it's one or with ten minutes to go, they don't change. They still play a little bit of football in their own half. That's mm. that's wrong. They should have a brain to know, you know what, we've got to get this forward. I don't care if they hit it fifty yards and it goes out of touch. Have a go. Don't just exactly. keep messing around with you, you know what I mean? That's exactly why I wanted to buy someone like you know, a Lewis Dunk or something in the summer because we, I, I'm exactly like that. I just want our defenders to defend, and you know, I don't want a defender to who wants to dribble out, you know, from the box and just try and take it round a few players. I mean, that that's not their job. All they need to do is defend and pass it onto someone in midfield. You know, it drives me mad when they just make. Sh- I mean, what what match was that again? They're all molding into one. I do probably, I don't know if it's the Brighton game, but. Where Socrates tried to dribble around someone in the box. Yeah, oh my god, I think it was right. he lost it and he lost it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I just wanted to punch my TV screen. Seriously. I just what the hell are you doing? We've got three, we've put it got, out if you need to. We've got three senior defenders in the squad, right? Socrates, Luis, and Mustafi. All three of them are no good, as far as I'm concerned. All three of them are are, are errors waiting to happen. But I mean, Freddie was saying, hasn't he, that he feels bad trying to Put everything onto the younger players. So hold holdings out. So we can't we can't use him. Mavropanos is having a nightmare in the under 23s. I don't so think he's put, he? having a rubbish time apparently. So he's gone with Chambers. At least he's made a big move and he's dropped one of Socrates and Luis. But who else can we put in there? One of them's gonna have to play. One of Socrates, Mustafi, and Luis is gonna get more game time because we just haven't got enough experience back there. In the meantime, I, I would def- I'd still go with Louise over Socrates because you're still going to get mistakes, but at least you've got that one little added bonus of Louise of being a much better passer of the ball than Socrates is. I think he brings um, the game a bit better as well, Andrew. He do- exactly, he does, Melvin. He does. But I- I'd like to see Louise partner Torreira at, at, at central defensive midfield, personally, rather than... Um, a rather friend, Xhaka. His passing is just as good as Xhaka. He's no slower than Xhaka. And I think he's got more defensive now than Xhaka. So he's a better option, in my opinion. Plus, he's further away from the goal, so he can't give away any penalties. <laughs> exactly. But he can do his dribbling. He can do. He can go off on his run every now and then because, he's. let's face it, he is a threat for a goal as well. Yeah. I think he's good for, you know, maybe eight goals a season, maybe ten, if he's in the right position. Uh, so, I, I I think he's a much better option than Jacker. I really do. I'm not slating Jacker, by the way, anyone listening to this, because he's actually played all right the last few games. He's made a terrible mistake again yesterday. But this is typical of our players, isn't it? I don't want Jacker in the team either, but at the moment, he's playing all right. We haven't got any much better options as it goes. But I, do, I do think that Luis and Torreira is worth a try because he actually played all right in the Europa League um, before he went off um, with his rib injury uh, in the last round. Luis, he was looking all right. And it's a shame we couldn't complete the whole game, but it's an option anyway. But apart from, you know, a couple of things, but I thought the, the, the team that Jungberg put out yesterday filled me with a lot of confidence at the beginning of the game. Um, yes, the first half was 
a terrible football match. Uh, but it was it was better in lots of ways, like I say. But the, the, the second half performance after the first... Because, I mean, the first 10 minutes of the second half, I think they were worse than the first half, to be perfectly honest. But they had then, a couple of chances, actually, West Ham. Yeah. They could have got 2-0 up. I mean, West Ham, I thought they were really poor. I mean, they did... They were they were worse than us. That was saying a lot, you know. Yeah. Horrendous. But we they, take it. We have the confidence from it. And move yeah, on. exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was I'm absolutely through it. And let's do, let's have a quick talk about Pepe as well because I've been I've been a big sort of backer of Pepe all season. And yesterday, I just really really hoped that that's you could just see what it meant to him, uh, see what it meant to all of his teammates, and what it meant to Youngberg. And he just looked like a different player, didn't he? Once that ball just flew in and you could just see what kind of player he's going to be for us hopefully moving forward now I hope it's going to make him kick on where it helps him and I'm not saying he's without fault because he has been made bad mistakes when he's been one on one a couple of times Pepe but what made the difference I thought the other night was when he got the ball and then the ball was moving forward with him rather than standing on the touchline with his back to goal. Someone gives him the ball. He can't do anything with it. He's got one way to go. Mm. The other night, he, he was in another 10 yards from the touchline. He got the ball facing the right way. He's very dangerous. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And you, you could see the... Um, what was his... What's, this, what's that prick's name? It was at left back. He went off Friends injury. Well. That's Two it. cards, in my opinion. Well, exactly. Well, well, you could see how petrified he was with Pepe because that's all he could do uh, just he knew that Pepe was going to rip him to shreds and do you know what the second one where he went off injured he was injured before and he knew that he was going to go off he knew that he was going to get taken off injured so he did that to Pepe before he went off he thought I've got fuck all to lose now so I'm going to I'm going to give him one last dig to try and get him no, out I remember that next time he planned Oh, he's a dirty bastard. He is, honestly. But he, he was. He, but the reason he was doing that to Pepe is that he knew that um, right. he, he was going to rip him to shreds. And that Pepe's unfortunately going to have to get used to it because the same as um, Grealish, he he gets kicked more than anyone else as well. Zaha, they're all the same, aren't they? they? As soon as they see a threat, they just get kicked. And uh, unfortunately, Pepe's going to have to get used to it. But he seems like he's got. You know, good resilience. To be fair to him, he, he gets on and gets on with it. I, I was about to say that because literally every time the, the two challenges we mentioned and there's other challenges that, that, that match as well for a new player to come into this league. I've, we've seen other players in the years gone by take them short challenges and go into their shadow. Yeah, respect them. Yeah, for the whole match he didn't let it affect him. He just got, got up, he got up, dust himself down, and continued. And it paid off because he got the goal, got the gold and the assist that won us the game. It's good to see. Yeah, I'm quite pleased about that uh, with regards to Pepe because he's, he seems to have a good, quite a strong character. And one last person I just want to single out is we mentioned him earlier, but Martinelli. And I've put a couple of tweets out there the, uh, over the last couple of days. I genuinely think he, as far as I'm concerned, he is our most valuable player in our squad over and above Aubameyang, Lacazette everyone because of his ceiling not only how good he is now but I genuinely think he could be whatever he wants to be in this game and he, he's been preparing to be a professional footballer with his family you probably all read the stories since he's about 14 his parents out of their own money they bought a nutritionist this trainer and everything to start he's preparing him for a life of, to be a footballer from the age of 13 14 and 
he because the benefit he's had is he hasn't gone to a big club and gone through their academy. He's learnt the hard way by playing in the fourth division against real men from a really young age, and he, he's, he's tough. And he's got everything. I don't think there's anything from with Martinelli apart from experience that he's missing at the moment. He's got it. He's got it all. Yeah, and he, he reminds me of um, a mixture of like. A little bit of Ronaldo mixed with a little bit of Tevez for, for me, and a little maybe a little bit of Luis Suarez about him as well. He's got a good mixture about Sanchez, yeah, Sanchez as well. Yeah, he's got the arrogance, has not he? He's got the arrogance of Sanchez as yeah. well. He, 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 whoever he comes up against, he's like he's not intimidated in the slightest, is he? No. It's like he's been playing at this level for years, and um, yeah, if there's one player, well, him and Gunduzi's got a lot of faults, but I think he's got a massively good high ceiling as well. But Martinelli above above everyone else for me. I think we need to really look after that kid because in a couple of years' time he could be a Ballon d'Or contender. I reckon. You just said the thing. Sorry, sorry. Apologise. It just said the thing. Look after him. We've got to look after him. We mustn't play him every game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with that. But I'm really, really glad. He, <coughs> excuse me. He's getting his chance to start a couple of games. He shouldn't play every game. No, but. I'm really, really pleased about that with, with Freddie that he's given him his chance to start a Premier League match and look how he got repaid in the end as well. Because even in the first half, he, he was still putting a shift in, even though no, yeah, a lot of other players weren't and he was still tracking back. I mean, he tracked players back right to our box, didn't he? he yeah. Quite often. He won't he won't, just won't let go. He's like a little terrier. And yeah, I mean, he, I'm so impressed with him. I have been since the first time I saw him in the pre-season against uh, Fiorentina when he, he nearly scored that goal. Same as, you know, the Son goal at the weekend. Yes, when he ran through the way, yeah. He, he nearly scored that, didn't yeah, he? I against Fiorentina. That, yeah. What yeah. a win. That, that was so exciting. And we're looking at the amount of experience that we had on that pitch. I mean, we've got one player on the pitch who's on 350 like, grand a week and it took Martinelli to basically get us out of the shit and to give the team a kick up its ass and to give us a little bit of, um, you know, a little bit of momentum to go on and actually win that game. And that's a that's a very good trait to have. And mm. I've noticed in some of the um, the Europa games where he started uh, for 90 minutes, there was one where he scored quite early on in the game, right near the beginning in the game. And then at the end of the game, he scored his second goal, sort of like in the sort of like 86th, 7th minute which tells me that from start to finish, that guy goes from whistle to whistle. He just doesn't give up. He don't score his goal early and then take the rest of the game off and think, well, I've done my bit. He goes right to the final minute. And I love that about him. Well, you're on about the one where he curled it in, like um, uh, the second game. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was in, that was in injury time. Yeah, right. yeah. Even better, yeah. Absolutely amazing. He's got, he's got it all as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and you, you know full well, and I've mentioned this, you know full well that the Vultures are going to be circling around him. And if if we do not finish the season particularly well, say we finish 10th, 12th, God forbid, and we don't get into the Champions League via the Europa League, because, I, I mean, the chances of that got slimmer after last night because Inter and... Ajax, that's it. They've they've dropped down into the Europa League, so that's made our chances even less in that competition now. In fact, I would be quite happy to make a complete U-turn from what I said earlier as well this season now, because because we've been so bad this season in the Premier League. 
maybe we do use the Premier League as a bit more of a training ground and, and really go all out to try and win the Europa League this year, maybe. Let's get a few points first, eh? Yeah, exactly. Well, we've got a few hard games coming up, look, as we know, but uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more confident than I was. You know? So you mean we get relegated down into the Championship, but we well, qualify so for the Europe? someone else make that joke? I think we're going to fill it more. Fill it more. Champions League. Still at Middlesbrough, I think it was. They got to the final and got relegated in the same season. <laughs> no, Wigan. Wigan. Was Wigan it? Did, did they Wigan. get to the final? No, they, they won it. No, they won the FA Cup final. Got won the FA Cup, yeah. No, no, no. I'm running about the Europa League. Fulham. Fulham did well. That's right. Fulham did well. Yeah, and they, they, one of them, either them or Middlesbrough, got relegated the same season. You just Wigan. mentioned... Wigan. You just mentioned Ozil, right? Is it my hmm. imagination... Or does he now slow us up? No, I don't think he does, personally. No? no. I think he speeds up our, our final third play because he, he never loses the ball. And I think it looks like he does because if he do, if the right pass isn't on, he holds on to it for that little bit longer until the right pass is on. Yeah. I, also, I think he's very valuable. And uh, the trouble is with him and Xhaka, they, you know in play ratings at the end of the matches, you get yeah. obviously rated out of 10. And everyone starts off on five. That's the standard. You start off on five and you'll either go up or down depending on your performance. Well, I think, unfortunately, for, for Xhaka and Ozil, they start on two and everyone else starts on five because of the pre- preconceptions of everyone. Then They're not going to get away with that because uh, out of that situation because everyone hates them. But I... Yeah, but, he, brought, but they, that's brought on by themselves, right? That's brought on by their attitude... On the pitch, the lack of commitment. I'm sorry, but if you're going to talk about Meza Ozil, yes, he does get a lot of grief, but he brings a lot of it on himself. Yeah, he has done in in in, in the past, but I don't think he does it all the time. But I think people tire him with it all the time. If we don't play well, it's Ozil's fault because he played that day. And I, I don't get me wrong, you can listen to. I'm not an Ozil fanboy. I'm not. I'm not. But I think in some cases he does need a little bit of backing up because. I've never been his biggest fan. I've, I've slated him when he needs slating, but in some occasions, he, he needs backing up as well because I think it's a bit unfair. I, I, that's all I'll say on that because I think he's played all right. He played shit in the first half, but everyone else played shit in the first half apart from a couple of exceptions yesterday. But what I think when we started clicking, a lot of it was down to him because he very, very rarely loses the ball. And you've got to admit that if you re- re-watch the games, you will notice that he just doesn't when he misplaces a pass it's because it's a really tri- difficult pass that would have probably been a, very much a goal scoring opportunity if it, if, if it had come off I'd rather him try that sort of thing than not but most of the time he, he, he knocks the ball around and he keeps the flow of the game perfectly and he keeps us attacking and I, so I, for that reason I don't think he does slow our game down at all I, no. I've never seen him in a game where we've been struggling and let's be let's let's be fair right most of this season we have been struggling and a lot of last season. And I've never seen Meza Ozil be the one to go, for fuck's sake, and get and grab the game by the scruff of the neck and pull the team through and make something happen. He's the sort of guy that, if he sat on the bench for a game and we were losing 3-0, why would you bring on Meza Ozil? If the team is playing shit, Meza Ozil will play shit. He doesn't have his own, his own individual aura around him where he thinks like, I don't care if the rest of the, sh- the team is shit. I'm going to play to the level that I can play at and we will get something out of this game. And I was, I was 
when we signed Meza Ozil, I sat up. I was like, wow, we've just signed Meza Ozil. I never saw him play a lot because I don't Spanish, I don't follow Spanish football, but I'm aware of his reputation and the stature that he has in the game. And I'm aware of all of the stats that for years were saying, you know, the top assister in all of the leagues in Europe. I just have not seen the consistency for the person of the stature that he's supposed to have had. And for me, I wish he'd gone in the same window with Alexis Sanchez. I think I wish I wish we'd kept Alexis Sanchez and got rid of Ozil, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, if you like, yeah. Because I think he could still imagine him on the left now with Pepe on the right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, no, it's, I don't agree with that either. I just think that we were lucky that we sold Sanchez when we done. We we did. His form had fallen off a cliff long before we sold him. His attitude in the in the around other players. You know, he's the sort of guy that you go into the canteen and they've got groups of players sat at tables, and there's Sanchez sat on his own eating by himself with his headphones in, with that kind of aura around him saying, "Don't come and sit at my table." That's not the sort of guy you want around. He was a great player. He's one of our only world-class players over the last few years. He's the, uh, I, I was on another podcast the other day, uh, the Ask Brothers podcast, and I, they um, said, who's your player of the decade for Arsenal? And I said, uh, without question, it's Alexis Sanchez. Because he's the one player I'd love to watch. And he got me out of my seat really excited. He had his faults, of course. He had a massive ego. But I loved watching him play, I tell you. He, he was a very exciting player. And it got it was after a period of time where we tried to walk it was so frustrating. We were trying to walk the ball into the goal all the time. No one had a shot. We were ticky tacking around the box and we just kept saying, shoot, just fucking the shoot. And no one was shooting. And then Alexis Sanchez comes along and he was the type of player that grabbed the game with a scruff of the neck. But yeah. I don't think Emma Ozil ever has been the type of player that would grab a game with a scruff of the neck. It has to be going well. for When, when the, the team that he's in is playing well, Emma Ozil shines and he, he plays really well. When the team he's in is having a bad day, he has a bad day. That's, but then that's, that's a Goldilocks player, isn't it? You're yeah, saying that. I'm not... Right? I'm, I'm, the point has to be just right in order for Meza. Yeah, absolutely. That's the reason. I'm, I'm not his biggest fan. I never have been. Never have been. But I, I just think that when on on occasions you've got to, if you can only see what I, see what I see. And I, if you're playing, he's backing up. I'll back him up. But if you're playing, he doesn't. If he's having a shit time, and he's dragging us down. I'll tell you, he's having a shit time and dragging us down. And he needs to not play. But uh, on occasions, I just think he gets a bit of unfair treatment. That's all. Um. I don't think our style of play, the way we've been playing the last couple of years, suits him. That's no, not really yeah. Because yeah. he would be better in the team of, if he played for Leicester, for example, that break quickly, or Liverpool, if you like, that break quickly, he'd be a phenomenal player. But when we yeah. get up to the edge of the box, he's got 10 defenders in front of him, and you've got an inch to put a ball through, that's not his That's no one's game. No, think- he, not, he hasn't had a run of games in the last... Uh, took a couple of years either to actually prove what he can do I've said this loads of times a player always needs a run of games to start showing what they can do to get up to speed and to get match fitness and to get your sharpness and to get your form and he, he's never had that has he well when has he ever had a run of games over the last two years old or he's got his back his sore back or it's too cold or you know he's missed a lot of games and a lot of the times I look at him I think like are you really as ill as you're making out no. Yeah, I mean, and then that night you see him on Twitch playing Fortnite, saying, "Come on, everybody, subscribe to my Twitch channel." I, I don't play mm. it. Exactly, but again, playing devil's advocate, 
with all these bad backs, blah, 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 blah. Has that actually come from him? Is he, is he said, oh, I can't play today? Or has it come from the boss because they don't like him? I don't know. We're, we, we'll never know, will we? Um, Aaron Ramsey when uh, uh, a couple of seasons back and they were doing they were interviewing him and they were asking him a load of really quick fire questions like what's your favourite colour you know what's your favourite kind of food and one of the questions was um, oh, and he said uh, as quick as a flash he said yeah Meza he's always in Arsenal's office always in there so I mean oh Arsenal loved him didn't he yeah yeah Exactly. So, did it come from Arsenal? Well, or did it come from He's been molly cuddled for me. He's been molly molly cuddled. Mm. I, I can't deny that. Absolutely, hundred percent. I have a question then for all of you. Then, okay, if Mesut Ozil's contract was running out, say in the next six months, would you offer him a renewed contract on exactly the money that he's on, or if he would take us a contract, say for a hundred grand less, would you keep him? Or would you do everything in your power to move him on and uh, bring someone else in? Yeah, Say so again, Melvin. Can I start, Stan? I would move him on and, and break the bank for Jack Grealish. Mm. I wouldn't. I wouldn't di- disagree with that at the moment at all. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I'm saying the same. Right. I'd move. Yeah, move him on. And, yeah. and no one here would, no one here would keep him then, even if he wanted no. to take his money. No, but I think whilst we've got him, because let's face facts, we've got him for another eighteen months. So yeah. of course you want to play him, because otherwise you've got three hundred and fifty grand just literally just going down the tra- drain. But whilst you've got the guy, you, you play him because we've hundred percent, we've got no one better in that position. He's still on, on if he's. Bang on form, bang fit. He's still one of our best players. You can't get away from that. So, you would, of course, you make the most... Because we're not going to sell him. Let's face facts. We're not going to sell him for 18 months. He's going to still be here until his contract runs out. So, we've got to make the use make use of him. But, go back to one thing that he said. Then we'll need to get off this Mesut Ozil conversation. But one last thing. He's not, an, he's not the kind of player that you would ever bring off the bench either. You either start him or you just leave him out that match day squad, in my opinion. I don't think yeah. he's, I don't think he's ever been an impact sub anywhere in, he's ever played in his career. I can't think of one one sort of um, case study where that you could say that he's made an impact coming off the bench anywhere. He's always started or he's not played. And I think that he's that type of player. Yeah, I agree with that. Hmm. But there you go. Anyway, changing the subject and let's move on to the manager situation. I put out a poll yesterday because I, I, I heard from this uh, Italian press yesterday morning about Carlo Ancelotti apparently leaving after the Champions League game yesterday and he, he was going to get on a plane, come over and he'd be our manager by the weekend. And I put out a poll, Ancelotti yes or Ancelotti no. And it's just finished and it got over a thousand votes, which I'm, you know, pleased with. Ancelotti, yes, 58%. Ancelotti, no, 42%. So, let's go round. Let's start with you, Ryan, this time. What do you, what's your thoughts if that's going to be the... Just just for argument's sake, that that's that's true. What What's your thoughts? For the argument's sake, if, yeah, if it's, if it, again, it, it sounds like that's the case, it would be a 
two, three year, two, three year thing, getting citizenship technically get our players and the club itself in a place where whoever comes in afterwards inherits a good defensively sound team that can also attack. Um, he's been proven. He's, he's proven his career over his career, three Champions League titles, numerous leagues. He's proven in the Premier League as well, Chelsea. He's, he's, he's managed at Real Madrid, so he, he can manage the big egos. It's not like with Emery. He managed egos at, at PSG, backfired, and then tried to manage Mezzet's ego, and it backfired. Whereas Ancelotti had that respect, I think. I'll get behind If it happened, I'd get behind it. Because A, he's it would be nice for an experienced coach at the end of the day. And you can't get more experience at the moment than Carlo Ancelotti. Out of all the list of players, the list of managers we've been linked with. Ideally, I would want my top two choices, as I said on my channel, are Allegri and Poch. But and Ancelotti, I can't complain. It's, he, again, He's last when this job came available last time. He was he was a coach of Napoli at the time as well. He came up publicly and said that I want the job. He was, mm-hmm. he was begging, he was begging for us to come and get him. And, he, and again, it's, it sounds like he's again. He want he wanted he wants this job. But, but apparently, if you believe in what the media say, we don't have we apparently don't have the finance finances to support something like that. <laughs> We are. Oh, that's just bollocks. That, 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 no matter what media say, we are globally a big club. The pool we have <coughs> globally, no matter how bad we are at the moment in the league, that's what we are globally. So the money is there. Of course it is. Don't believe anything look, about that. It's rubbish. Yeah, look, look at the wages that Wenger was on near the end of his time. He's got, what was it, eight, ten mil a year? Yeah. Is that. And you've got, but you've got literally, uh, this sort of frustrates me. People actually. Still, these this, to this day believe what the media say. If, if one media person says it, like Ornstein, who gets everything wrong now all of a sudden, since Wenger's there, they all they all jump on it. All they all have a breakdown over it. I'm like, no, take a step back. Look what look what he said before. This is a guy also Ornstein, who said back in summer, Pepe, no, not happening. This was like two days before we conf- we had the confirmation from an Italian. Um, Media guy, I can't remember his name. I think Fabrizio Romano. That's the guy. He's the one that I got that information off yesterday. Yeah, and even and even then, after Fabrizio confirmed it, all seems to come out. No, 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 it's all rubbish. No, doesn't what he's talking about. And look what happened. And it's not the first time. Torreira again, the season before. No, 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 no truth in it. Absolute rubbish. Da, 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 da. We go and sign it. Dante has not a clue what goes into our club anymore. Well, that's why I'm, I was quite convinced yesterday because if a lot of this the, that guy's reports are, you know, do turn out to be true. That's yes. what made me think. Oh. What about you, Melvin? It wouldn't be my first choice, but I think he'd bring discipline to the club. Um, he's a decent manager, more than decent. He, uh, and I think that he, he knows his way around. So, no, as I say, there's other people I'd like in front of him. But if if it's if that's who we get, then I go. You know what? Let's go with it. Yeah, let's get behind him and go with it. Yeah, absolutely. Stan, um, I was reading that he's going to speak to Everton, and from what I can see, it seems that other managers are using Arsenal to get leverage. I mean, Brendan Rodgers got a new contract on the back of all those rumours 
a nice fat contract. Someone like Ancelotti, I think we need someone, and I don't know if it's Ancelotti or not, but I think we need to bring someone in. We are still a big club, but we need someone that's going to come in and make us attractive again mm. over a two-year period to make this club really sexy and attractive again. And that means getting us back into the Champions League and then being able to attract top quality players and then that person can hand over the team to a top quality elite manager. And maybe by then we will be able to afford to bring in that kind of manager because I, I don't believe, I believe that we're not going to get the manager that we need. We will get the manager that we can afford stroke how much the people upstairs are prepared to spend. Whether we can afford it or not, it's about how much they want to spend. And I think they've probably got a figure in their head. I think Emery was getting about half of what um, Wenger was getting. And I think that they want to probably keep their spending in and around that area. And again, I'm just guessing at this. This is just how they make me feel with the kind of actions and the kind of things that they do and say. But I would take Ancelotti and I think he would make the club attractive again. Mm. You put your hand up, Melvin, then. I don't believe this rubbish about we can't afford no. it. And you're saying that in a few years we will be able to afford it. What's going to change? Our sponsorship deals have gone up so much the last three years. I don't know how they can spend the money if they want to. We've got people through the gates every week. Um, you know, we've got people buying merchandise. The only difference is we don't have the European, uh, the championship money coming in. But where are we going to get this extra, extra money from? We're earning a lot of money as a club. A lot of money comes into our bank account. So three years down the line, if they, this owner ain't spending it now, then he's never going to spend it. He'll always have an excuse. Just on our home games alone, we make three million pounds per per game. Just on our, that's why we moved to the Emirates, and we, that, that's the fact. We make three million pound per home game. So it's just we're still in the top ten richest clubs in the world. So if anyone tells me that we can't afford a manager, then they're just talking out their ass. So just think. I mean, that, sorry, that sorry. it's not that we can't. As I said, can't we, that we can't afford stroke prepared to spend. I mean, look what happened with Kieran Tierney. Celtic wanted 25 million from him and we'd done everything to try to lowball them on the figure. And then when we couldn't lowball them on the figure, we went back about three times with different kinds of payment structures. We had the 25 million. If we really wanted that player, we should have just paid the 25 million and got him. I'm not saying that we're skint as a club because we, we are a rich club, but they seem to be very miserly in a way that they want to distribute their funds. The same, same with Pepe. We've got the 72 million to buy Pepe outright if we wanted to, but we structured the payments in a way that suits the way Arsenal likes to spend money. I'm not being funny. You can't blame doing that though, can you? Sorry? You can't blame the Arsenal for doing it over six no, years. Can I say, I think, I think that every club, apart from maybe two, three, four clubs in the world, I think every club does what Arsenal do. What you just explained, Stan. Every club would do something. You would try and get the best deal and you would try and work it out so that you can manage your money over a certain period of time. And I, I just think it's the way when Arsenal do it, they get fucking reported to us doing that, like when no other club does. The media have always had this agenda against us. I don't know why they report it, but they actually put in their headlines Arsenal makes, you know, um, a, an offer for so and so. In instalments. Oh yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, you know what? Started because of the bloody Liverpool thing with Suarez. 
Mm. We made ourselves look a bit stupid for doing that. Yeah, I know. I remember the Bolton, was it the Bolton manager? Cahill. We beat some stupid amount for Cahill. When we wanted a centre-half for four years, we had a, there's a decent centre-half, Cahill. I think he went for eight million, was it, to Chelsea? Yeah, that was for so The strong manager came out that Arsenal made a ridiculous offer. So, I think it's just been a combination of things going through the years with us. It's, uh, I think it's been going on longer than that, but I think that they've got a couple yeah. of high-profile things that you mentioned, and that I that completely agree. But it's just always been going on with Arsenal for some reason. I don't know why. But I think I, every club, Stan, make offers the way you do. Why wouldn't they try and save a bit of money here and there? But it's the only, it's only us that they report it like that. It, it just drives me mad anyway. I don't think that whoever they appoint... As I say, it might not be the person that we need. The key factor for their decision, it will be pounds, shillings and pence. And that's probably why we've got a bigger chance of getting Arteta than all of the other people that have been mentioned. On, that have been mentioned. i just seen yesterday that they, they've interviewed the guy from Bordeaux. What's his name? Paolo Sousa. Oh, and I know nothing about him, so I'm not going to slate the guy. But that's where they're looking. And the guy from Valencia. It's going to be down to how much that the club are prepared to pay. Even though we can afford a top manager, we can afford it, but we ain't getting Simeone. Simeone costs more than what Mourinho's on. He's the second highest paid manager in the world. We will not pay the money for Simeone. I've changed my mind on Simeone. He used to be my favourite when Arsene Wenger was leaving. I I really wanted him, but I've changed my mind on him completely now. But um, I'll tell tell you what, if we we appointed Paolo Souza, I would take a, a sabbatical for the however long it would take till he, he left because he's had nine clubs in the last 10 years and he's had no success at any of them wow absolute joke absolutely he's like uh he's managed pretty much he's managed loads of clubs in in england well so I've, I've read that he's actually had an interview he's been to the club and been interviewed yeah that was on ask ask uh, yeah ask ask club. Club. i know yeah, I, I don't know I don't, I don't know what to say about that. And the same with that guy from Valencia as well. No chance. You can't tell me that they're not looking at those two people, people of that ilk, and that's not down to finances and how much the club's prepared to spend. Not whether we can afford it, but what they are, are prepared to, to actually go out and release. That's why they're looking at these kind of people. Well, Stan, don't you... Sorry, I Sorry, no, go on, Melvin, go on. Stan, don't you think that these director stroke... The other guys, uh, Raul and people like that, they're supposed to be businessmen. Yeah. Don't you think they realise if they buy up and get another manager that's not up to it, it's going to cost the money, the, the club a lot more money in the long run? You'd think we so. Talk- think so. You'd think so. Exactly, you'd think so. You know, if you know you get a manager for 10 million a year over a five year, three year period, 50 million, that's nothing in the big scheme of things of what that manager can do, right? You know, we're, we're hitting 35 million for Mustafi, but we don't want to pay over five years a manager for 50 million. So you get another, sorry to say, second rate manager in, and we'd be in a worse position in two years' time. What, what are they doing, these guys? They're supposed to be cleverer than us. They're supposed to be clever, and if they were clever, when they finally pulled the trigger on Emery, why didn't they just do it a week and a half earlier during that interlow period where there was more of a bedding in time to get someone to come in? You know, to someone to speak with the players and 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 you know make themselves the first team coach, because they're supposed to be very astute business people. But what we see from them looks otherwise to me. They don't look like such astute business no. people. 
Well, we don't. We don't. No, no. Do we? Oh, uh, it's just, uh, it, the problem with Arsenal is we always take our time over everything. We always have, haven't we? You know, yeah. like the Tierney transfer as well. Like I said, it just went on for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. It was just frustrating. How can hold them to a club like Celtic? I mean, for fuck's sake! I mean, what's going on there? They basically had us dancing to the tune, to their tune, man, all the way through that Tierney thing. We had no control in that negotiation whatsoever. My take on this Ancelotti thing, I, my I, ideal candidate in this period would be Rafa Benitez. I've said that loads of times. I said that at the end of oh, last yeah. season. And um, I'd love to get Benitez in, but he's going to cost us 20 million quid, so that's a no-go. I don't think he will pay that. And I think that um, what I said was my ideal thing would be if we got Benitez for 18 months to work alongside Jungberg to train him to finish off his his tutoring, his, his education. So then ideally Jungberg could then take over after that. But, so if we could have him for the rest of the season and all next season. And now if this Ancelotti thing's true, it's a similar boss really, isn't it? I, I, I'd love it if we could do that. Same sort of thing with Jungberg working alongside Ancelotti. I mean, what a tutor. Did you well, that, watch the West Ham game? Did you watch before the West Ham game when Benitez was on? Yeah, I, 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 I thought he was auditioning for the job myself. Well, I wish he was. Did you see what he was doing when he was explaining about the body? How you, yeah. When you got to turn your well, body. I, I didn't see it. I, I, thought that was, I thought that was very good, that. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. He would be perfect for us because no, he, played, be he plays to the player's strengths. Like he said, he, he explained it all, didn't he? And the way that he played with... Because he had a, some criticism about how he set up with, with Newcastle. And he said, well, look, I could have... He couldn't go out and transform the squad, so he, he worked out what players he had and what they were best at, and he worked to their strengths. And he set up and played to their strengths. That is per- how can you get more perfect than that for Arsenal at the moment, without overhauling our squad top to bottom? That's you know, the most I've seen him talk, and I thought he's very impressive. I did, and um, I'm just absolutely gutted that it's, it will cost us so much, and I don't think they would do that. I really don't. Um, but he would be the perfect manager in this period of our history um, yeah. and what we need with this squad. He would get us set up and to not lose games, but also play to the strength of the squad. Uh, he mentioned that himself in, in everything he talked about and working with the, the... How much would he love to work with our front three or four players? He's never had that for years. Um, anywhere he's been, he would absolutely love to work with our Bamiyang, Lacazette, Pepe, all that. Oh, it's just depressing. He would be my perfect thing. But with Ancelotti in this situation, it would cost him nothing now because he's left Napoli. He would be a similar. Because yeah, all the players that work under Ancelotti love him. I don't know how he is on the training ground now. He's getting on a bit, obviously, as for a coach. But... Did you see the comments from Aaron Robin? He said that he talked about uh, training under Ancelotti. He said that his son could give better training uh sessions than Ancelotti. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, he's, that. Training sessions were boring. Um but he feels he, and I, I can't remember the, the but the, the one bit I remember was saying like my little kid, my son would give better lessons. So he had some um damning reports from a few players talking about his training sessions. And um also Mikel Arteta as well. I saw a few people talking about when he's been left in charge of the training sessions that it's been very dreary. And when he has run the actual team in a game, 
that the way that they performed was quite boring and lethargic looking. I wonder whether Arjen Robin was going through a period of having been dropped by Angelotti when he said that, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know no I mean, that's unusual because a lot of the players that have worked under him do like him. Mm. But I'm just thinking whether, because we can get him for free, maybe it would be a good option um, to do something similar. Because I, I can tell you now, I'm sure that the club will not get rid of Jungberg. They rate him very highly. Mm. so And I'm pretty sure that it'll be a part of the deal with whoever takes this job that Jungberg will be the assistant they'll have to agree to that I'm sure what I think will be a mistake for, for us if we accept the manager for 18 months like you're suggesting that- I, know. Well, I, don't, I don't think he'll take it for that personally but I'm just thinking that would be an ideal situation yeah but if, I understand that the problem is if it's one and a half two two and a half whatever the board are not going to back the new manager because he's only going to be here a few years. We don't want that. We want to open. No manager lives forever. They don't do that. They don't do that. It's a head coach coming in, whoever it is. So they don't, they've got no say over the players. It's the, it's, this is the way we're setting up behind the scenes to be like a more modern club, whereby we buy the. We've got a team of people behind the scenes who will identify and buy the players that they want, and the manager will get what they're given. So whoever it is, whether it's Ancelotti, whether it's Allegri, whoever, they've got to agree to that because that's the we're not going to take a shopping list off any managers. So it, it's not going to bother. It's not that doesn't matter. This is why we are setting up to have a head coach so that whenever we do sack a coach, it's not going to affect the, the team, the club, at all. It's just getting someone else in to coach that play, those same set of players again. So I don't think it matters in that respect. What is disappointing? Because you spoke about twenty million being too dear, and you might be right, you might be wrong. But I just think that um, we've let um, Sanchez go for no money, basically, mm. because they put a sixty million on the table oh, two man. years ago. So what's know. you know sixty million just throw away like that? You've got Ramsey again. You could have got thirty, forty million for him. Oh, more than that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's a million. And we're worried about 20 million. I know, mate. I, look, I, I, I had this conversation um, last week on the other, the Ask Brothers podcast as well about um, when we were making this choice on a manager. And at the time, Brendan Rodgers hadn't signed his new contract. He just had that um, press conference where he or accidentally on purpose uh, let the information slip that he got a release clause and it's like almost he was like uh, showing us his tushy saying you know come and get me but and I really I mean I still think long term he'd be absolutely perfect but I'm being realistic I haven't mentioned him because he's obviously signed his new contract and at the same time you think well why at this stage would he leave even though we're a bigger club we're we're the Arsenal but at the moment, he's got it perfect there. And they'll just like, he just click his fingers. They'll do whatever he wants uh, over at Leicester. And they're in a good place. And I, I don't think they should ever be underestimated because they're not one season wonders at Leicester. They've been working really hard behind the scenes for quite a few years now. And they've got this new training ground that it's state of the art. It's going to be the best in the world. It's going to be opening in a year or so. And they're really, um, the owners there, they're very, very rich people, but they haven't got other interests. Leicester is their interest. So they're going to put everything into that. And um, I think they're going to be a force for years to come, personally. So, yeah, he's in a good place at the moment. But um, 
I said at the time when he it was reported that he had um, release clause of anything between 12 and 14 million, depending on where you read it. And I said, well, why wouldn't you just go out and, and buy that? Because I'd use the same uh, example as you, Melvin, about Mustafi. I said, you know, we could have, we, for the same price as Mustafi, we could have paid off Emery and all his backroom staff and got in it and got in Brendan Rogers for the same, you know, less money probably for yeah. 35 million. And what's more important, buying a, a squad player or buying a manager that could transform your club for years to come? That's so I totally agree. I totally agree. But I, I just don't think... I, same with Stan. I just don't know whether they would... I really, really hope that they would. I really wrote, hope they would just get the right man no matter what it costs. But I'm not sure that they... They get to prove themselves as far as that's concerned. Uh, they got Pepe, yes. But they can't play in installments for a, for a manager. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's yet to be proven. But I'd love to be proven wrong. And that uh, they do go and get someone like Rafa Benitez, who I do think would be absolutely ideal for us in our current situation. But um, time will tell. But we'll... Arteta, for me, no. I'd, I'd rather go for Vieira, for, if anything. Because at least he's got some experience. And people are slating Vieira's managerial record. Actually, if you delve deeper and look into it, it it's actually really quite good. And he plays lovely football. And he, he's letting... Yeah, it, the, very good, strong defensive team, but also they're very attractive and attacking. So, strong at the back. And I, th- I think he'd be a much better option than Arteta. And he, it would excite me more as a fan. If we can't get him as manager, I'd like to buy him for a midfielder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. And I'll tell you, one last point I want to make, actually, is the recruitment team. I, I think there's so many good recruiters out there that we should be looking at as well for that are working for other clubs like the Norwich guy Stuart Webster the guy I can't remember his name the one at Leicester he won't probably leave but he's the amazing uh, recruitment that they do and there is out there somewhere no one can say that there is not a, a Patrick Vieira playing out there somewhere and we've never replaced him as we all know it's going to always say the same thing we've got to find someone that can go out and, and find us a Patrick Vieira and Gilberto Silva. It's been promising about Martinelli. That's a, that's an amazing find. That's like yeah. a the haystack situation. Yeah. But if we can get someone that can go out and find a couple of uh, Ndidis or whatever, then we, we desperately need that as well. And I, th- I think, unfortunately, uh, we lost that. We lost one good guy, didn't we? He can spend Mislint out. He, he was very promising. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think we should really try and find a, a good guy like Stuart Webster from Norwich someone along those lines who can really really go out and find us some gems in the rough I think that would be really important as well I think going back to Leicester they got some fabulous finds I mean Madison was a fantastic signing yeah. and he came from Norwich anyway didn't he he the did guy him. but I'll tell you who I'm really impressed with who goes under the radar is that right back they got Leicester I think he's Quality. Oh, amazing! Yeah, he, he's he's like a, a Mares type player oh, from right back. Yeah. Oh, what a player! And yet you've never heard of him before. Season no. two back. Pereira, but, did you say? Right. Pereira, yeah. Yeah, I know. Very good player. But indeed, he came. I think I'm right in saying he came through their academy. Indeed. Oh. But I mean, what a player he is at 22. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, what's he going to be worth in the current? So, Chilwell came through their academy as well. 
Um, but I, what a shame about Tierney the other day. I didn't mention that. Oh, my God. I'm so gutted for the guy. Absolutely gutted for him. You see it in his face. I think he wanted to bloody... He was so pissed off, wasn't he? And distressed. Uh, what a shame. I mean, he's going to be out, apparently, uh, on Ask Blog, I think he says, about three months. Yeah, so that'd be four four years then, wouldn't it? <sighs> bloody hell. I really do feel for the cut for the kid though, but also feel for everyone who connected with Arsenal because Arsenal's he's a great, great player. So he will be one of those players that when we get a new coach, you'll see another player, and that he's good anyway. He go to another level. Mm. I really think that. Oh, I think it could be really good to him. Sorry, I said oh because I was just reading. That's strange. Yeah, but it's definitely, uh, definitely our live, Ryan. Uh, I can't be up by asked to type it back, but yes, we are. I typed that because I've, I've just got some message. Oh, was it you? Sorry. I've got... um, oh, yeah. Simon the Mank is messaging me saying, oh, I can't find you guys anywhere. And I just went to the channel on YouTube and it's not streaming live. Yeah, it should be. It's all set up or all, all fine. It says in the um, I'm looking at the YouTube channel and there's nothing going on. How weird. That, um, YouTube doesn't support comments on private videos. You made this private. No. This isn't this isn't streaming live now, I don't think. Mm. But I'm enjoying it. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Either yeah. way, it'll go on the YouTube, but I, I I can't understand how that would have happened. But anyway. Um just gonna finish up with a couple of a couple of things. Um I mean, going back just very briefly to the Antonotti situation, Express Sport uh, tweeted, which is the Daily Express, for God's sake, but they, they, at the Express underscore sport, Arsenal fans are pleading for Carlo Ancelotti to take over from Unai Emery. I mean, where did they get this stuff from? Seriously, are any of us pleading? Is that what we're doing, is it? Okay. Well, they're not going to ask me. They knocked on my door last night and asked me. I told them what I thought. Oh, I did that. Oh, yeah, perfect. Fair play, Melvin. I'm sure they did, you know. Yeah. Very prestigious uh, fan. <laughs> and Harry, Harry Simeu, uh, Harry Simeu, obviously we all know who he is from Chronicles of Guna, former guest on the show as well. Uh, imagine having watched and supported Unai Emery for eight, and Emery's team for 18 months and then turn your nose up at Carlo Ancelotti. Exactly. I don't know. I mean, I, I do get what he means. But again, it's... Is he... 10 years too late. That's all I'm worried about a little bit. Is he 10 years too late as a manager? Time will tell, I guess. But people slating him for being sacked at Napoli recently. I I honestly don't think that people actually just take a few minutes just to read into what's actually happening at Napoli at the moment. Um, What's been going on there the last few months. I mean, can you honestly blame Ancelotti for anything that's been going on there? I mean... All the players have to hire their own bodyguards from the fans and everything, and you know because they're all going on strike. They actually the players might be sued by the owner of the club because they uh, turned down going on that um, boot camp thing, where it's basically being called uh, being on detention after a match. They were ordered to go and train to in a, basically like a an open prison type thing. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dan. I thought it was like a bonding sort of like a bonding no. sort of street thing they were going on, right? And none no, of them no, 
No, it's, it's, it, no, they get taken straight away after the match without going home to see their families or anything. And it's like a detent. They call it d- detention camp. It translates to in English, apparently. And they they don't get a chance to go home first or anything. They just get taken off there for a week, and it's solid training away from their families and friends. They do get an hour of a day, and they can watch videos of the old Arsenal games this year. <laughs> oh, very. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I didn't realise it was that bad a punishment, to be perfectly honest. So, from uh, Arsenal games from under the Unai Emery era. That's right, yeah. Yeah. All the highlights, it's, well, to be fair, it wouldn't last an hour, would it? That's true. It'd be slow motion. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be the same thing on repeat. It's in the reports that Everton are, 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 are going to talk to Unai Emery about the, the job there. Yeah, already. apparently so. I mean, oh my God, can you imagine being an Everton fan? You'd be over the world, over the moon, wouldn't you? Imagine if Everton finish above us with him as the manager. Oh God, yeah. And if Wobi and Walcott start finding their form, over twenty goals in, that happens. <laughs> you know, Emery actually resigned three times a couple of months ago. Well, what? they couldn't understand what he said. <laughs> 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 That's very naughty, Melvin. Sorry, oh my God. <laughs> I get my coat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bloody hell. Um, it's just going, yeah. Well, at least we've got a black, a black uh, dark humour. Sorry, go ahead. talked about was um, the rumours over the last week about, um, you know, first of all, it was, um, you know, Real Madrid were going to give us 60 million uh, and James Rodriguez for Aubameyang and then it was um, Real Madrid are going to give us 30 million plus Jovic and James Rodriguez for Aubameyang and then they wanted to give us a, a, a Ford Focus with a, with, a, with a roof rack and maybe a Terry's Orange I don't know what's going on here about Aubameyang I mean, <laughs> I mean what do you make of all this Aubameyang stuff? Um, it's, it's a tough one because if there's one goal, one of the our forward players. Well, I'm taking Martinelli out of this, but I don't see at the moment how it makes any financial sense to get rid of Aubameyang for even if we get 60, 70 million. Because he's who else is scoring for us? There's no one. He's scoring all our goals at the moment, isn't there? It's not as if we're getting goals elsewhere, and we can cover his goals with everyone else because it's just not happening at the moment unless we get a big upturn in form and we do start playing it just suddenly clicks under Jungberg or the new guy I don't see what benefit we get from losing his goals for the next two seasons which it's almost guaranteed 30 goals a season minimum it's a well, pretty on that basis, Andrew on that basis we should get rid of Lacazette then because if you're yeah, telling exactly. Lacazette can't replace him then get rid of Lacazette well, I don't. In an ideal world, Melvin, I think we should keep them both because we need a strong squad. And, you know, good depth of the squad. Because if Aubameyang does go down injured, then we can bring in Lacazette. And this, we've got enough games to keep everyone, you know, happy with minutes. And think, we could also give them a rest, you know. So Lacazette, uh, sorry, yeah, Lacazette can just come on for Aubameyang for the last half hour of a few games and just to ease his minutes, just to keep him fresh as well. Because we, it's, we're blessed to have them both at the moment. But if we're going to sell one of them, I would sell Lacazette. Because well, I don't I wants to sell either. It's no, like the no. 
want to sign a new contract, which means that if he doesn't want to sign a new contract, come come uh, uh, the summer, you know, he could start moving away for free and stuff like that. And so we would have to sell him. We would have to sell him. Otherwise, we would lose, you know, lose all of our investment on him. And at 31, I mean, if you look at it from the player side of it, I mean, before he came to us, he almost went to China, I think, for and they pay they play silly they pay you silly money over there. So he's probably looking at it. He's not he's not won anything with Arsenal. He's coming to like the end of his um, his his high part of his career, if you like. And is that's probably why he doesn't want to sign. So I, I can I don't blame the club like they want to get rid of him. Obviously we haven't I blame the club in the way that we've used him. We saw the other day when we played the Bamiyang up the fr- up front with two wingers. None of this Liverpool front free bullshit. We played with a striker with two wingers. We had a good result and the players looked good. And that's what I think we should have been doing all along with Aubameyang. We should have kept him as our main striker and we used Lacazette as rotation. Like you say, we win in the game really well. Last 20 minutes, we put on Lacazette and we should have done it that way. I agree. And, uh, and my opinion would be, Come next summer. I mean, like, he, they're basically not signing a contract at the moment because I want to see who's going to come in. Coming. We know that. We know for that. Fact. So if we were to get to next summer and he hasn't signed a new contract, I would still keep him and let him run his contract down in his case. And I hate, I don't, I'm, I'm not contradicting myself when we talked earlier about uh, Sanchez and Ramsey. We should have got money for them because they were still young enough to make a lot of money on. But when it comes to him next summer, he's going to be close to 32. He will still get us another 30 goals next season to get us to where we... And say we don't qualify for the Champions League this season, we should, we've should we got to go all out for it next season and we will need his goals because to replace his goals of 30 goals a season, anyone will be a risk and we would have to pay more money than we'll get for Aubameyang. That's my theory. Because if we got 50 million from Aubameyang next summer, because he's, he's going to be another year older... Then who are we going to get for 50 million that's going to score us 30 goals without taking a massive gamble? Yeah. And we've got to get back in the Champions League by hook or by crook. And I think we should just, for him, we should rinse him of his best years whilst we've got him and, and make use of him and get get his 30 goals next season as well because you, you know he's going to get them. But it's never good though, isn't it, when you make a player stay if they want to go. If he turns around and says, look, you know, I'm getting a little... It doesn't little, matter. It doesn't matter. Not league, so we're not going to be in the Champions League. I'm done. I want to go. You got to let him go, ain't you? you no, to... I, I don't. I don't. I'd do everything I possibly could to just to keep him happy. That's and, what I'm and to do. I offered him sort of like up to about maybe 300 grand a week, which is incentivized, not just a flat rate. It's incentivized so that he can earn. You know, they're offering him good money, but he's not put pen to paper. And this has been going on now for about this has been going on now for about seven eight months. They've been talking to him about a contract, and now he's actually turned around and said, "I'm not going to sign it." You can't blame him because we've had Unai Emery as our manager. Now now we've got a temporary manager, and he's waiting to see who who comes in and what we can do. Anyone would do the same. Any player under his, um, you know, in his position. So of the club, that's what that's what he wants. Yeah. all said about his career. Yeah. But if, if we had to sell one of them, I'd definitely sell Lacazette. As much as I love the guy and I don't want to sell either of them, I'd sell Lacazette because he's never been a, a, a goal scorer in the same bracket as Aubameyang. Ever. And, and the skill set that he's got, we can replace with other players. So, 
But we can't replace Aubameyang's goals. Not, not, no chance. So I'd rather, I'd rather keep them both if we could uh, in an ideal world. Um, because our strike force is, uh, is, is, is the best thing about the club at the moment, obviously, and and the, and the youngsters that we've got coming through. So, anyway, I think we've been going nearly an hour and a half, so we'll call it a night there. That's all right with you guys? Yeah, well, you yeah, ain't much choice because we're going to shut the end, end the broadcast. So. <laughs> anyway, so, I really appreciate you all coming on anyway. Uh, Melvin, I've been really, I've been wanting you to come on for ages and ages, and uh, I'm really glad that you did. So thanks no, ever so much, mate. No, I really enjoyed it, and I'd, I'd love to do it again if you give me a chance. Please. Yeah, absolutely. Any any time. Hey, you're all welcome. Stan, thank you ever so much for coming on again. Thanks for having me back. Always, uh, always a good time to have conversations with you uh, over there. I think you know, all all four of us. I think. Well, I don't say all four of us, all three of you. I really enjoy talking to all of you because I think you've got all got some really good views about, uh, about everything that goes on and uh, good intelligent views. And Ryan, a good as thank you as always for coming on. I really well, appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. So um, next week, I'm just thinking. I don't know. One of the weeks coming up. I'm not sure I'm going to have a show. This is for the benefit of the uh, the listeners. I will put a note out on Twitter. I'm not sure whether it's next week or the week after. I've got my diary in front of me. But I've um, got some really good guests coming up in the next few weeks. Just waiting to get uh, a couple of them booked on. But um, very, very exciting if we can get this nailed down to a date soon. So everyone watching, thank you ever so much. Thank you for listening. Um, please like, subscribe and share so we can get some more viewers it really helps if you're listening on the audio version of the podcast please give us five star rating on our apple podcast as it's called now and that'd be really appreciated and uh yeah keep your eyes open and tuned in next for the next show thanks ever so much for watching and good night good night all good night thank you Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about from Dar Square to Wear. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dar Square to Wear YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye!